Oh, hello, creeps. <laughs> the kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? <laughs> we just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. Is the coroner got to say? It's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. No! She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Welcome to the Unrestricted Movie Podcast with Josh and Ryan. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan. And of course, I'm Josh, and it's really good to be here tonight doing another podcast and talking about some kick-ass movies. Hell yeah, this is our third podcast of Spooptober. Spooptober? <laughs> that sounds not, awesome. Are you not familiar with the term Spooptober? Spoop? Yeah, Spooptober. No, what does Spoop mean? So it's uh, something so spooky that you poop your pants. Oh, damn. Yeah. Well... Let's go, man. I've never pooped my pants while watching a movie, but you never know. There's a first time for everything. Did you wear your brown pants for this movie? I did wear my brown... <laughs> Damn it, what movie is that from? <laughs> That's a, a Deadpool joke. That's a Deadpool joke, yes. I did wear... You can't, I'm not wearing any pants, actually, Ryan, because we're doing a podcast. Oh, shit. Um, and I should have noticed because we're not on Zoom. We're in the same room. Oh, but yeah... It yeah. appears you're missing your pants. Yes, thank you for noticing. I'm wearing my brown underwear. Is that good enough? I mean, it's good enough, but why did it have to be a thong? Well, god damn it, Ryan. You're ruining the podcast. Now everyone's going to think about me and my thong the whole time. Um, Josh, we have a special guest with us here. Do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, so we, a- we actually have a real special guest, and not <laughs> just an intruder, you know, ringing the doorbell. Not a bad impersonation? Yeah, yeah, you know, so... Uh, I'd like to introduce my lovely wife, Marissa, to the podcast. Say hi. Hey, guys. Marissa, what's up? Yeah. Hey, doing homework. So, uh... Intruding. Yeah. So, <laughs> what what inspired you to want to join us tonight? Well, I have to do homework on the same table that you guys are, you know, <laughs> doing your podcast. We, we forced you on the podcast. I'm also kind of like your biggest, your biggest fan. I love listening to the podcast and hearing my husband rate all these movies and 
kind of give his, you know, descriptions. So it's super fun to listen to, and I'm really happy to be part of it once yes. in a while. Speaking of ratings, I think you were the only person to give our podcast a rating on, <laughs> on Apple. You're ruining the illusion, <laughs> Ryan. You now, guys, no, rate the podcast! <laughs> well, we're super happy to have you here with us, uh, and it'll be good to have some, you know, added perspective from someone who's probably a lot smarter than yeah. you know, the two of us, Ryan. Maybe we'll commit less audio faux pas with another person. It's possible. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you both, Marissa, Josh, you mm-hmm. both watched this movie. Did you watch it together? We yes. did watch it together. Yes, we did. Always. Let's talk about initial impressions. Well, Marissa, do you want to go first? I'm gonna, I want to hear what you have to say. Because <laughs> I honestly, I don't think we really talked about it that much but during our viewing um so my initial i kind of went into did we say i'm sorry marissa did i mean it's going to be in the title of the episode again sorry for cutting in did we mention the name of the movie (gasps) no (laughs) (laughs) so pause don't say anything yet okay remind us what the movie is that we watched right so the movie you chose last week that we watched for this podcast is 1984's nightmare on elm street okay Great. A classic, now, is it right? Nightmare on Elm Street or The Nightmare on Elm Street? The Nightmare. There's that. more than one nightmare, though, unless it's just referring to Freddy as the nightmare. I think it's Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it's just... Wes Craven's... Nightmare. Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Nightmare. are both wrong. Oh. Look, Thank I you. came in handy after all. Thank you, Marissapedia. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Google. Well, now, now that our uh, listeners know what movie we watched, go ahead and tell us what you thought. Well, um, so I've never, obviously I'm kind of in the same boat as Joshua, and I did not grow up watching any rated movies. I think I snuck into one in high school with a friend. Do you know the movie? Oh, shit. Do you know it? (laughs) Marissa. It had Halle Berry in it. A rated R movie with Halle Berry. Catwoman. No. 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 Swordfish. The one where she shows her tits. I was going to say, do you see her boobs in the movie? It would have come out in like 2008. Really? Mm. Oh, is it Gothica? Gothica. It's no. gotta be Gothica. Uh-uh. No. It's not? Was it a horror movie? Was it a drama? It was kind of like a drama. Hmm. Maybe it was The Call. No, that was 2013. And that one wasn't right uh, was it? Oh, it was, no, it wasn't. And it was in theaters. It was in theaters, too. I don't know. It was like some twisted... Now, now, now give us a little bit more of the story. Yeah, I want to know how you snuck into this movie. Did you guys stack I... yourselves up on top of each other in a big trench coat? <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you? You said you were in high school? I think I was a, I was probably junior in high school. Uh-huh. And I, by sneak in, I mean that I purposely did not tell my parents about it because I had a friend who wanted to go. Oh. I think I've like blocked it out of my memory because I felt so much shame about it because mm-hmm. I don't even, like I said, I don't remember the name of the movie and I remember being horrified by how many times they said the F word in the movie. Mm. Which, which F word is that? Fuck. Oh, that one. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Not frivolous. Yeah. Or or fancy. Freak. <laughs> or, you know. Fudge. Did they say fudge? Frivolous fancy freak. <laughs> That's the new phrase. There you go. Anyhow, it was like some twisted story about like, I don't know. Did Now, we talked about walking out of movies on this podcast. Did you end up walking out of the movie? No, but I wanted to. I you remember did. being so uncomfortable that I sunk down in my chair 
And I, I may or may not have, like, covered my ears under my, my hoodie. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, oh, you're such a good person. I felt so bad, you guys. And all I could think of was, oh, my God, my dad's going to kick we're, me out if he there. knows I came here. <laughs> so you were how old at this time? I was probably 16, 17. Okay, and this was your first rated R movie that you saw? I think I saw parts of, like... A nudist colony film at my aunt's house once. That sounds <laughs> exciting. A documentary or a film? I'm pretty sure it was a porno film that my cousin <laughs> got out of her drawer. Jesus. <laughs> it was a vacation film, your aunt said. This is our visit to the nudist colony. <laughs> She's also the aunt that, like, I watched my cousins many, many times sneak alcohol out of the It cover. was on a slide projector. <laughs> And here is us at the beach at the New York No, it was an actual film, and everybody was naked. And I remember, like, wow. I felt really uncomfortable. I was like, I need to leave. And I, I think I saw snippets of films that I had, you know, I grew up with cousins who were not, who were not LDS. Yeah. And so I saw snippets of films every every now and again. But, yeah, wow. this one, this one was, like, my first, like, I'm actually going. And I remember feeling terrified that they were going to check to see if I was 18 or not because they so, did that sometimes. But you bought, you were able to buy tickets and everything and get into yeah, the Yeah, we went in and we watched it and we left and my friend was like, that was such a great movie. And I was like, yeah. Now, the real question is, did you go confess to your bishop afterwards? Yes, we, we need to know this. No. No confession. Mm. No. Wow. That's so... I felt guilty enough on my own that I was like, hmm. So, you know, I, I bet I'm punishing your, myself. Your now. name is still on the, you know, people who need to repent. List. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, naughty list. You're on the list. I don't know. That's kind of a fun place to be sometimes. <laughs> so, I think we would agree with you on that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry you felt that shame. Me too. Hopefully, That's you, hard. you've released it. For me. sure, I have. And it's I'm in a much better place. Good. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, the movie we're re reviewing today. Um, we talked a little bit about your history. Oh, yeah. We're talking about a movie today. Um, I forgot about well, that. Well, let's, let's get a little bit more into your history. How familiar are you with the horror genre? Josh talked a little bit la last podcast about mm -hmm. you know his familiarity with Stephen King and with the horror genre. I think the only Stephen King movie I ever saw, and I watched it on TV, so it was like edited, you know, back in... What, what was it, the 90s or early 2000s, was Rose Red. Mm. That one terrified me, I but I loved it. Is it a TV miniseries? I don't know. I think it was a movie, but like mm. when they go and like re-show R-rated movies on TNT is and that, like edit it okay. out. Is, that's not the one with the nanny that steals the baby, right? No. No, that's... um. Oh, that's it's Rosemary's Baby. No, that's not Rosemary's Baby. Oh. That's um the hand that rocked the cradle. Oh, okay. So, I'm trying to see if I can just like look it up. And uh, what, what about Wes Craven? Have you seen any Wes Craven films before this one? I don't even know who that is, so I'm going to say no. Right, he's the director of, of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, probably not, Then I would guess no. I And all my all my friends in high school, I can I give a shout-out to somebody? Do it. So I have a friend, her name is Tracy, and she like loves the horror genre films. Oh, like, Tracy, loves listen to our them. podcast. I'm going to send this to her, <laughs> Maybe and she she's going to be like, oh, Tracy, you're Maybe minor. Like you're that. minorly famous now. You're just one step below us in fame. Ratings. Dozens of listeners have heard your name. Yes. Yeah. So um, she was really into it, and she would post about it all the time. And she like loved all of them. I think her favorites are like, like Jason, and I mean not specifically right. Freddy Krueger. The slasher genre. 
But yeah, she she loved mm-hmm. that, and so I knew about them, but I was always like, oh no no no, they're rated R, I can't watch them, and like I don't know why people like horror films. But after watching this, I think I went into it thinking it would be for me personally like more scary. <laughs> um, I can see that. I didn't actually think it was that scary. Okay. I mean. Now, now, Josh, before the podcast, yeah. we were talking a little bit, and you expressed similar sentiments. Just about how I enjoyed the movie. Oh yeah, it, it wasn't or scary. How you did not enjoy the movie. <laughs> well, it, I, no. Just speaking to scare factor. No, I wasn't scared in this movie. Although I don't think you need to be scared in a movie to enjoy it. But I, I, I it, it didn't hit the mark for me as far as just me enjoying the movie at all. So I think um, for me it's a little bit different because I saw this movie in my formative years as a child. <laughs> oh, God. So it probably terrified and, the hell out of you. So you've been traumatized ever since. That's And I saw this, you know, growing up in religion and yeah. believing in dreams and the supernatural and demons and all that shit. But and you know what? From my perspective, like it's I have a much easier time watching horror movies now. Yeah. Because like it's really just fairy tale to me now, and the supernatural and occult, you know, kind of topics. Right. But before, you know, I believed in the devil and ghosts and spirits and all manner of, you know, crazy shit. So it scared me more. But you no, know, but that, that that's a very interesting thing you bring up of of being able to kind of release yourself from the shackles of fear mm-hmm. after leaving religion because. Yeah, when, when I was in the religion, even as a fucking adult, you know, I was scared of demons and ghosts and even good spirits visiting me at night. I, I would I would have nightmares about Jesus Christ himself visiting me at the foot of my bed and, like, grabbing oh, my foot. God. Dear God. <laughs> Ryan. Can you imagine that? But you, and, but you know the way I mean, to it tell... it sounds like the start of a... Weird Do you want to know a funny story? Is that mine's the complete opposite. Okay. I was once told by an unnamed adult in my life that I will remain Remain unknown, nameless. Remain, yes. remain nameless. That she knew somebody who actually called upon the devil himself and he appeared. I was like, I was like eight years old, you guys. About how he called the devil himself and he appeared to this kid that she knew in his room and like descriptively told me or relayed exactly what he looked like and he had like slicked back black hair and he had like a cape. <laughs> James Dean. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> he much. had a cape? Dracula. Pretty much. Wow. And like that he, he was, was dressed fancy. that he was dressed really nice. <laughs> and like that that image, like in my like I'm very imaginative. I was always yeah. a very extremely imaginative child. And having that image in my head like fucked me up. <laughs> like I, I honestly was like terrified to say like Satan out loud. Yeah. Mm. Because I thought that he would appear to me and like drag me to hell. So I had like no. the opposite. Like you had nightmares about Jesus, and I had mm. literal nightmares about like the actual devil appearing right. to me. Well, I did have nightmares about demons also. Um, just my scariest one was the appearance of Jesus. But no, I, I would I would always dream about the. <laughs> It's kind of a trope. Uh, The man, the shadow man with the hat Mm. and the red eyes. Oh, I think we talked about him. We talked about him a little bit. Previously. Um, You know, I I believe in demons. I believe in omens. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast, but when we were leaving the church, there was one day where 
a bird flew into our front door and, and died. Oh, we talked about this. And yeah. I considered that to be an omen that we like should Like birds? Sing. Like Alfred Alfred Hitchcock's birds? Ooh. That's Marissa's bringing movie. some movie history knowledge yes. into this I'm podcast. So Look at you go. You guys. <laughs> I, we told you that she was, you know, she's a sharp cookie. A sharp cookie. So, yeah. So, back to initial impressions of this uh, movie. Oh. It seems like you guys weren't too impressed. You weren't too scared. Watching it this time, I obviously wasn't that scared. I'm familiar with the movie. I've seen it multiple times. But, yeah, as a kid, it blew my socks off. Well, I think one thing we were also discussing is um, from what I – what I think is if you're not – if it's not something that you grew up with, you know, in the 80s or 90s and you're just coming into it fresh in 2021, it just doesn't have that wow factor. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't – it's just not there for me. So something else we were talking about related to that is how this movie for the horror genre pioneered so many tropes, especially in the mm-hmm. slasher genre. And so I compared this movie to um, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane and how Citizen... Great comparison, <laughs> yes. Well, in a sense, because Citizen Kane, although most people seeing it for the first time nowadays would find it you know, boring and, and cliche... Mm-hmm. It pioneered so many, you know, themes and just, you know, cinematography elements of of motion picture. Mm -hmm. And so I I feel like Wes Craven and his creation, Nightmare on Elm Street, did a lot of that for the horror genre. So you're you're saying I'm just uncultured and I I can't appreciate it for... That's exactly what I'm saying, right? That you're an uncultured uh, loser. Person, yeah. You know, well... No... It, it, it's interesting because, you know, for me, and I think I told you this earlier, Ryan, um, it can be the most important influential movie ever made with great cinematography and rave reviews. But for me, if it doesn't entertain me, right. it's not worth it. Uh, just, that's just me. But so, so for a movie, that, that is what movies are. The movies that it's to entertain me. And if right. I'm not entertained, then it's, it's not. I don't guess that's not worth it because you know there's subjectivity to it. What entertains me might not entertain someone else, and vice versa. But absolutely, I think it's awesome that we're differing so much in, in our opinions of this movie, and I think that's a first for this podcast. It kind of is. Well, yeah. no, I think Last of the Mohicans. I was kind of down. On you were more down on. I really like Last yeah. of the Mohicans a lot more than you did, but but let, let's talk about Freddy Krueger in the general zeitgeist. Yes. So, how familiar with you were you with the creature Freddy Krueger? Uh, I knew what he looked like. I that I know that he I knew that he was like a dream person that killed people. And so See, I kind of I knew, didn't know that. Much. I kind of knew the basic story, just being familiar with pop culture and that kind of thing. Right. Well, what about you, Marissa? How much did you know about Freddy Krueger? I didn't know anything except for what he looked like. Okay. I knew that he had like like the, the stripes. I knew he wore like the striped top. I knew he had the hat. I knew his face looked like he'd been, like, fucking burned to death. And did you know this just from, like, visiting Hot Topic or, or Spirit <laughs> Halloween stores? Or? Probably all of it. Okay. Probably all. Like, just being it's introduced just to it socially col- yeah. and, you know. In- S- speaking of costume shops, have you guys seen the Sexy Freddy costume? I No. <laughs> well, Ryan, both you and I have worked at Halloween stores <laughs> yeah. at the same time, actually, right? Yeah. We yeah. have. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh I think we both we're both pretty familiar with the sexy Freddy outfit. 
I just wanted to input that I tried to watch some of The Last of the Mohicans with Josh. We kind of try to watch them together because I've also not seen any of these movies. And I was so bored with The Last of the Mohicans Thank that you. I just tried to turn on, it into guys. like sexy time. And I just started <laughs> distracting him at the end. Um, let's just say I was multitasking a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No, I am with to you. To any uh, of you who think that men can't multitask. <laughs> That movie. I give was, him mad props. Ugh. I think I think I like turn. I think I turned to the part where she threw herself off the cliff, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, why? Yeah. Why would she just kill herself? It wasn't it's a like movie. a Greek tragedy. I know it was horrible. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about Freddy and the Zeitgeist and how popular they tried to make Freddy in marketing. <laughs> And before the podcast, I showed you a little bit about, um, I showed you a little oh, yeah. bit of the Freddy rap. Mm-hmm. Freddy rap. Where Robert England, the guy who plays Freddy, actually raps in Freddy makeup. Freddy. You see, my name is Freddy, and I'm here to say, I'll rap you on the tape. No way. Feel like you're tired and ready for bed. Don't fall asleep or you'll wake up dead. Did you know that Will Smith is part of the Freddyverse? I did not. Wow. How is Will Smith part of the Freddyverse? So I'm, you know, I'm a Will Smith fan. You guys know that Will Smith, before becoming famous, before becoming an actor, he was a rapper. Okay. I did know okay. that. And he had a rapping partner, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Him, Heard of him. Him and Jazzy Jeff had a song um, that, that's on a lot of Halloween playlists. It's called Nightmare on My Street. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. Okay, let's hear it. Now I have a story that I'd like to tell about this guy. You all know me and he's scared as hell. He comes to me at night after I call into bed. He's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred. He wears the same hat and sweater every single day. And even if it's not outside, he wears it anyway. He's home when I'm awake, but he shows up when I'm asleep. I can't believe that there's a nightmare on my street. All right, let's get into the movie. Um... Now, you guys aren't that familiar with Wes Craven. I'm just going to give a little bit of a background on him because there's some interesting facts. That's your job around here. Just educate me. (laughs) Okay, so Wes Craven is considered one of the masters of horror, Mm -hmm. along with John Carpenter and some others, Stephen King. Um, He has degrees in psychology and philosophy. I found that really interesting based on the subject matter of this movie we're talking about. Dreams. Yeah. So Wes Craven's first foray into directing was making porno films under different pseudonyms. So he didn't use his real name to make these films, but that's how he got into directing, by uh, making some deep throat porno films. Okay. Deep throat porno No, I think he worked on a film uh, that was related to deep throat, one of the most popular porno films ever. Okay. Never heard of this. (laughs) Yeah, um... His first feature film was 1972's Last House on the Left, which is known for being uber-violent. Mm-hmm. <gasps> That's a newer one. It's, uh, it was remade. They remade it. They remade it with Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Because I was kind of familiar with that. Okay. I might have seen a little bit of it like at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. The remake is actually pretty good. Um, Doesn't it have Liv Tyler in it? Is that the wrong movie? No, you're thinking of... Um, Strangers? The Strangers. You're thinking of The Strangers. Yeah. Liv Tyler. I think and then, I have then, seen then some of the last house. And then two Mormon boys show up at the end of The Strangers. Yeah. Two Mormon boys? Yeah, they show up. In like the... legit Mormon boys? Mm-hmm. Are they are they wearing name tags? Watch the end of The Strangers. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, Last House on the Left. Um, so Wes Craven, he was expecting to 
make this film and then have it have like a limited release. So he wasn't expecting a very big uh -huh. wide release for this film. But it did end up having a much wider release, which kind of pigeonholed him into this horror genre. Gotcha. Which he didn't want. He did not want. And we talked about that with Stephen King. But he embraced it. Right. And then so Wes Craven did the same. Wes Craven ended up embracing this master of horror title. Mm -hmm. Wes didn't want to be pigeonholed in horror, so he started writing other things that just didn't get picked up for production or financing. Um, so he scouted locations to see, you know, where would be a, a cheap place to film. And so for his next film, uh, he was told to go to the Nevada desert because it's basically, you know, you don't have to pay for anything there. Okay. And so his next film is about a family of cannibals in the desert oh, <laughs> called, um, the Hills have eyes. Okay. Nice. I've heard of that one. That's another one that my friend watched. Yeah. If uh, if you watch this and then go camping immediately after, you'll be scared to death. Okay. It's uh. It, watch it in the winter. Is that, has that one been remade as well? It's been remade as well. Yes. Okay. Yes. A lot of his films. Have I been think remade, a lot of these. Yeah. Including Nightmare on Elm Street. It was remade. Um, Why do they have to do that? I'm going to get on my rant again, Ryan. Do I get on no, they should have remade this one because it wasn't scary enough, and no. the girl ran like a little. They have, they guys, have guys, guys before it. before we go. Okay, we're gonna. Do Can I do my okay. rant? Thank you. Hold on. Okay. I, I'm, let me set up the two soapboxes. Okay. Soapboxes set first? up. No, um, I started. I'm going to flip a coin here. Marissa, call it. Heads. It's heads. Okay, Marissa, go. Yes! Okay. My, like, of course, I wasn't expecting this 80s film to like completely blow my mind. I expected it to be scarier. But honestly, maybe it's like the little bit of a feminist in me that like rages out where all of these girls run like wimps. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to run. And like, like they're like half jogging. Yeah. Like they're barely even moving their feet. And then they like turn around. Actually, I just had a deep thought. Maybe they couldn't run because you have the dreams where you can't run. <gasps> Whoa. My Wow. Wait, was that real? Just like in a dream. How you like, can't have you ever had those dreams where you can't run? I have run? it all the time. Where I just it feels like you're that. running underwater or through mud. Sure, like you're like, run legs! And your legs are like, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, your legs say fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, uh, Marissa. That's, that's it. That's your uh, rant over. That's my big rant. I just was like, give the girls at least a benefit of a doubt. Like, you can make the bad guy scarier and like, he can obviously hop out behind buildings like magically because it's a nightmare quote unquote but like let her run and yeah. actually like kind of look like she's trying to get away i don't know right. sorry no that, that's My good thought. um now I, I never took debate but there is it called a debuttal a rebuttal it is a rebuttal, rebuttal. thank you so yes. josh uh, your rebuttal i don't have my rant is not anything to do with marissa's rant actually it's the same rant that i rant about i've ranted about a few times before and that's let Leave the classics alone. Now, even okay, even though I didn't necessarily Leave me alone. stop it. Even though I didn't necessarily appreciate fully really. appreciate this yeah. movie, and it didn't resonate with me like that much. Leave the classics alone. You do not need to remake a classic like that one and time. If it, if it's really as you know fundamental to the horror genre as we've talked about, and uh, is that much of a of a, an important film, just leave it be. That's it. Let it be. Yeah, let, let it be, it man. Be. That's, yeah. Anyway, that was my rant. All right, ding, 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 round over. <laughs> um, I think we're going to have just one round for that debate. Fair enough. <laughs> um, 
just can't choose a winner. I'm sorry, guys. Well, okay. I was going to rebuttal to his, but it's okay. Oh, no. Okay. I mean, I don't well, disagree with anything that you said. I just... No, my rebuttal to yours is that sometimes there's a classic that I feel like with the technology that we do have and mm. the better acting I like this. and like not super fake looking blood mm. like you can make it look more real more progressive and politics he, like false <laughs> this is false really because it takes away from the aesthetic of the movie okay i can't believe i'm sticking up for nightmare on elm street because i thought it was crap this is the hill you're going to die time, on like but at points. the same time okay it's an 80s movie you don't need to make it a 2021 movie let it be an 80s movie so it was remade in um, the early aughts, I believe, or, or the, the early aughts, the teens. Yeah. So, anyways, it's probably due for another remake. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, the guy playing Freddy Krueger in the remake was this like five foot two actor. Oh. Uh, have you heard of Jackie Earl Haley? Yeah. So he's I a good character him. actor, yeah. but he was not threatening or intimidating he wasn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't have a winner for that round. Let's just call it a draw. Fair what do you guys say? Love you still. It's okay. Yeah, I love you too. Now Kith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, just one last thing about Wes Craven. He frequently collaborates with a writing partner, um, Sean S. Cunningham, who is actually the creator of Jason Voorhees. And they would bring their two creatures together, Jason and Freddy, for the movie Freddy vs. Jason. Oh. Yeah. So they were kind of like in the Monsters universe together. Yeah. They made creature features together. Mo oh. these, are, these are modern day creature features, just like Dracula, Frankenstein, the mm -hmm. mummy. I yeah. think we can all use some more monster versus monster violence. Yeah. Um, before we get into the, the actual you know, beats of the movie, uh, let's talk about some of the themes. We, we kind of hit you know, some of those themes. I, I, I just kind of want to expand a little bit. Um, what did you think about the themes of, of dreams versus reality? Um, I just keep thinking of the movie Inception. Yeah. Um, and how if you die, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there are the similarities. Rules, and if you yeah. die while you're in Inception. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously that was a lot more, um, I think, thought out and fleshed out. Intellectual. A lot more intellectual, yeah. But, but it seems like Nolan may have been inspired a little could bit. Could have been. By, yeah. Hmm. But well, why don't we kind of relate this to our own experience and sure. our own, especially our, our post-religious experience of... Um, of just dreams in general, like, like how, how have dreams affected you guys in your personal lives? Um, I, oh gosh, Marissa's going to have a lot to talk about. So let me get my two cents in really fast. Um, I used to think that dreams had a lot of meaning. I, I think a lot of people do, Yeah. but like legit meaning, like you could tell the future or get, get, like God could speak to you through your dreams. It's a very common thought in in many religions, but specific, specifically, you know, discussing my experience in uh, the Mormon Church. Definitely, we will believe that um, that God can speak to you through your dreams. Yeah, I believe that for for many many years. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Marissa, take it away. Based on your comment. If God was speaking to me through my dreams, then I was fucked regardless of my choice to stay or leave. Because oh. I had the most vivid nightmares. I've always had pretty intense nightmares. My probably most heated ones that affected me, like waking up. And then like, honestly, my mood through the day sometimes was a nightmare that I had about my two-year-old being shot in like a Hunger Games arena and dying oh my in my God. arms. 
that like really, really messed me up. I woke up, Josh was like sobbing. Mm -hmm. I had another one as a kid. I remember I actually didn't go to school because I was so upset. Like uh, it sounds so silly, but it was so real Mm -hmm. in like my little eight year old mind or whatever. Yeah. That there was a lava monster that came to like drag me to like a volcano on the playground of my Mm -hmm. school. And I took that as like something bad was going to happen at school that day. And so we all all know as kids, you don't touch the lava, right? (laughs) So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I faked, I faked sick that day. Mm -hmm. I like absolutely refused to go. Um, and then there's like, you know, my favorites where my husband invites another woman to live in our house and I catch them making out and half you know, taking each other's clothes off in the yep. hallway. In the barn? <laughs> oh, okay. Hallway. Hallway. Oh, <laughs> Close. We didn't have a barn in my dream. But I woke up and I, I told him about the dream and he was like, Marissa, that was dream me. Like, it doesn't count. And I was like, but you touched her. <laughs> like, it was bad. And so You're waking up punching, punching his arm. And... Other places. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, uh, okay. So when you were having these dreams, um, did you see them as premonitions? Um, no, I think, I think by the time I started having those dreams, I kind of knew that they were just dreams. Mm. However, the childhood one where, you know, I was such like an imaginative child, I, uh, I definitely, I, I, I saw that like as a foreshadowing of something potentially bad happening at school if I went. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had any sort of connection between like your religion and dreams or maybe not even you but like other people in your family or people close to you this is what's called a leading question yes because this is originally where i thought you were going to go with i knew that you thought that in the first place um yes i i have almost okay multiple i'm just gonna leave it as multiple family members we can't share this on social media you guys connected to me um I have multiple family members who, and it's okay for them to have these beliefs, and I try to be respectful of them. They, they don't, they, I no longer share the beliefs. Like, like Josh was saying earlier, yeah. I at one time would have read into dreams that I had, or especially if they were like spiritually natured, really? I would have read into those as yeah. like a connection with God talking to me or trying to warn me against something. And I, I've had many family members who have, uh, shared like dreams mm-hmm. or what they consider like visions and what they feel like is truth. And I, I, in a, there's no way to, there's no nice way to say it. I, I think it's bullshit now, but that's for me. Like I, I respect other people and I wouldn't like make fun of them for it, but I, I don't see that as truth anymore. No, I just, I like, I wanted to point that out just because, you know, one of our focuses on this podcast is to relate some of the, the content of these movies to yeah. our former religious beliefs. Right. Um, and, you know, I, re- I really, I wonder if there was some study out there that uh, polled people on like how scary they thought a horror movie was and sort of the breakdown of the demographics of people who were actually scared by these movies. And I wonder if part of, you know, um, Making movies like this, religious people are targeted. Like, not targeted, maybe. They sounds, might feel targeted. Targeted, maybe, sounds, sounds kind of strong. But, like, if the director's goal is to scare people, there are these ideas, like, with dreams that we're talking about that have some religious undertones that right. make re- people who are religious more susceptible to fear. Or, okay, can I yeah. input something really quick, yeah. though? Yeah. There was a, 
a ever so slight religious undertone in the movie though because she has the Christ cross who hangs above mm-hmm. her bed yeah and when her when she takes it down and her friend is sleeping in the bed that's when Freddy Krueger like stretches through the wall right. you can see like the outline of his face and his hands and then she like kind of wakes up and rolls over and he like sinks back in and then she puts the cross back up and you don't see him come back through the wall again. Yeah. So I wonder if there is like a little bit, even I, though I it's not like, like it's just, huge. It's, I, I think with the, sorry, sorry. Go uh, ahead, Ryan. I think like with uh, the boiler room scenes, those are very, you know, representative of hell mm-hmm. and with the fire and Freddy Krueger being this demon from Based hell. It. Yeah. Who is coming into our own reality through our dreams? Through our dreams, and so I think he really is kind of a demon creature in the Catholic sense. Well, it's interesting how religious topics can be turned to make people scared. Because sure. if you ask most religious people, they would say that religion helps them to you know cope with the world and to not be scared, and right. they would say that it's not fear based. But at the same time, those same religious topics can be turned and can be very frightening. Right. So, and there are things that, that trigger our fears. And as, you know, as a, a post-religious person, I, I don't feel my fears being as triggered as before. Um, I feel like with this podcast, when we talk about religion, just in general, and also our specific religion that we came out of, uh, we have a tendency to walk a fine line of, in members' minds, maybe judging their beliefs and just disagreeing with the harmful aspects of their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I want our listeners to know that we try to be a judgmental-free podcast. Um, We just have a certain perspective of certain harmful effects of religion. You know, I think that's pretty fair. And I, yeah, I, I hope that regardless of my beliefs, that I'm kind of like a lot of the things that I actually share. I'm, I'm a pretty open person, and I've never talked about some of these things, even as vague as I do, like really openly on like any sort of a platform that could could potentially reach a lot of people. But um, yeah, like those, those feelings, those feelings are deep. And even though that I have, I have my set of feelings. Like I, I try to remain extremely respectful. Of other people's beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, as long as they're not pushing theirs on mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, let's, let's all remain respectful, you know, and I don't know, that's my, that's my hope. Um, I want to know what you guys think about, let's, let's go Vin Diesel here. Let's, Vin let's, Diesel? We're going to go all Vin Diesel. We're going to okay. talk about family. Oh, family. Let's talk oh. about family. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. So I have some quotes here from Wes Craven, which are very interesting about the themes of family in his films. And we we see that a bit here, especially how parents really wanted to protect their children, and so they killed a guy who might have been innocent. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I want one of you to read this quote that I have from Wes Craven. Oh, I want to read it. Can I read it? Go for it. Yeah, so it's that whole thing. Okay. Ideas that come out of families which are fractured or disturbed in some way are the most profoundly terrifying things to me. And I've always felt that I was on solid ground when I was making movies about families. The first real terrors happened to us in the first five years of our lives, and that's where we are, in the middle of our family. Quite often, for children, the most terrifying things are adults, and unfortunately, often, it's the parents themselves that are the most frightening. Very deep. And I have one more quote from him, Josh, if you can read this quote. Sure thing. The family is the best microcosm to work with. 
it's very much where most of our strong emotions or gut feelings come from. I grew up in a white working class family that was very religious. There was an enormous amount of secrecy in the general commerce of our getting along. If there was an argument, it was immediately denied. If there was a feeling, it was repressed. I began to see that as a nation we were doing the same things. Okay, so there's some things I want to touch on based on these two quotes uh, that he had about family. Um, and I want to kind of relate this to our religious experiences. Okay. Um, so in, so he, he touched on the theme of repression. Now, when I was a kid in my household, especially when it concerned my dad, he would always tell us uh, contention is of the devil. That's right from, script, from Mormon scripture. Right. Literally. And that would be a, a constant message in our house. You know, if you have a problem, keep it to yourself because contention is of the devil. Listen to parents. You can't talk back. You can't, you know, have a difference of, of opinion. Um, you can't be autonomous. You, you have to, you know, respect your elders, respect authority figures. And, yeah, if you were contentious in any sense, if you acted out, then you there was a possibility of just being estranged from the family unit, which I kind of was. Well, you know, and, you know, talking about the nightmares that occur, you know, within a family unit. Right. Some of those most scary things, being cut off from your family. My God, that's terrifying. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, in essence, isn't that what's happened to us with religion, though? Mm -hmm. Cut off from our eternal families? Oh, God. Well, we're not going to go that deep. But, yeah. That's, right. I just, we don't have from to go a, from, into it. But from yeah. my perspective now, From a believing like, member's standpoint, that is, what is that is what happens when you leave religion. Well, well, my sister told me, like, when I left, she was like, but we want you, we need you to come back to Jesus because you're not going to be in heaven with us. That's what she told me. And like that that's a deep rooted belief though, is like the separation of families. So that's just kind of my thought. Sorry. And no, I think it's a great point. And I think with religious family members, they may not do it intentionally, but there there is an emotional um, loss of you know emotional loss of contact where they don't know how to relate to you anymore because the only relatable experiences they had with you was through religion. That's mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Um, but back to this movie, I mean, with that theme, I mean, with uh, the theme of repression, I mean, let's talk about that. With uh, the death of Freddy Krueger, these parents believed this man to be a child predator, and he got off on a, on a technicality, basically. Um, he may or may not have been innocent. Mm -hmm. right? he, he was probably guilty, but uh, and we find out later on in, in later movies that he was actually a, a pedophile also. Okay. <laughs> so he really is but in this movie we don't know if he's innocent or guilty but he uh -huh. was killed in an act of street justice by uh -huh. his parents and they repressed, repressed it. it so I feel like we're going to get all metaphorical Let's here do it. but um, <laughs> uh, severe repression right of some bad things that happen but eventually you cannot repress it forever right yeah I'd so, so. Yeah. because he Freddie comes back even if it's just in your dreams and it comes back to bite you in the ass. But now you can't, like, not sleep forever or you're dying. Like, well, but here's the thing. You can't repress contention and your emotions forever or it will eat you up from the inside. And coming from a religious perspective, uh, in, in religion we often repress difficult emotions to not be contentious or to have a differing opinion. 
and it eats you for, up from the inside. Yeah. Uh, those are feelings that I have definitely felt being in religion. Yeah, Freddy Krueger is kind of a representation of that old phrase, uh, how does it go, the, the sins of the fathers. Path to the children or something? to the children, yeah. Well, speaking on repression, I think of how, maybe this is the right time to talk about it. I, I think of how, like, oh, do you want me to stop? I was just going to say, but when parents repress their emotions, that does affect their children. Well, it affects the family. No, it does. And you see that the mom, the, yeah. the mom in the film represses her emotions thinking, I already took care of she this. She drinks a lot. She, oh, she drinks does. a shit ton. And number two, she tried to like, she, I'm sorry, I'm going to say the F word. She fucking put bars on all the windows and like giant ass locks <laughs> on the doors so that her daughter couldn't leave. Yeah. Like she actually but she like, was protecting her. But she repressed her daughter in every way, shape, or form so that her daughter couldn't, like, she didn't have any sort of, like, a, I don't even know the right word. But in trying to protect her, it made the daughter unable to defend herself. Yes. Yes, that's what I was trying to get at. So, it's just like, <laughs> it's just, I think that stuck out to me a lot in the movie, and that was very frustrating to me because there was no validation on the mom even trying to understand her daughter. Yes. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> we're, having, we're having a little bit of fun. That's okay. There was there was no validation on her daughter's part. There was just right. like, no, you're crazy, and you just need to sleep. And the mm -hmm. daughter's saying, I can't sleep. He's going to fucking kill me. And the mom's like, no, honey, you're safe. Just ignore those feelings. <laughs> so that also made me pretty mad. Right. I think it's a reminder to all of us parents that our kids, even though they're younger, they are their own people. They're people. And they're smart. They know themselves really well. Right. And we should treat them as people, autonomous individuals. You're here. Anyway, so um, a little bit about the production. Uh, Craven film, Nightmare on Elm Street on an estimated budget of $1.1 It ended up grossing $57 million worldwide, so a pretty big success. That's mm -hmm. in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the first films produced by New Line Cinema, which became known as The House That Freddy Built. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Wes Craven, uh, do you guys know what he was inspired by to make this film? I did not. So... Did he have a nightmare? <laughs> no, so... Um, oh, did he get it from a headline of an actual news story? Yeah, pretty much. So there were a bunch of stories in the LA Times about people reporting recurring nightmares, um, and then later they would die in their sleep. Oh, man. So, so this is based on a true story. Kind of like the film. They would have these recurring nightmares, and I think they interviewed some of these people who had like very, very similar nightmares, and they died in their sleep. Wow. Um, I didn't read these articles, but I think it'd be interesting to, to look these up. That would be some interesting Marissa, you research. Are just, she you, is, your mouth she is, is down on the, the edge of her seat, you guys. <laughs> okay. My only thought, this is probably really horrible, was that would have made a great movie. Like a reporter going and interviewing people who say that they're having this reoccurring nightmare and explaining it, but like not seeing it like to me i think it's more scary to like use my imagination like oh my right. god what could it be right. versus being shown it the whole time or like having like a small like a small snippet of the end on what the action nightmare is right. like i think this the suspense for me personally is greater i don't know no that sounds great that sounds like a very ambiguous way to look at it kind of like how uh, stanley kubrick 
did The Shining. We, we talked about mm-hmm. that. Yes. Um, uh, so some of the stars, uh, we talked about Robert England playing Freddy, Heather Langenkamp as Nancy, the final girl, and Johnny Depp. Johnny! Who is a hottie with a little body. In his very first film and as Glenn. Gets done Was that dirty. his first film? Yeah, his first movie. Yeah. I think he was in a TV series, 20, uh, 20, 21 Jump Street. Oh. I will okay. say that when he came on, I did not recognize him. Really? And Josh was like, oh my god, where's the look? It's Johnny Depp. And I was like, fuck you. That's not Johnny Depp. <laughs> it was actually Johnny Depp. I had to look it up because I didn't believe yeah. it. Yeah, he didn't have his pirate costume on. No, no, it's the eyeliner. Maybe <laughs> it know? is the eyeliner. It doesn't I don't look know. the same. Um, just a little tangent. Do you guys know why uh, Johnny Depp's character in Pirates walks like that? With the yeah, game? because he, I think he was imitating the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards, right? Does that have anything to do? That's with interesting. It? I don't think Keith was Richards he actually drunk the whole time. <laughs> so if you guys watch videos of how sailors walk on on ships that are oh, going that... over waves and, and high they seas, actually go back and forth. They walk back and forth like they're drunk because they're trying to maintain stability. Oh, okay. <gasps> so it's like a but then he walks that way when he's on land because it's like a muscle memory thing. That's how he's used to walking. Johnny's right. such a badass. I love him. All right, let's kind of quickly go through the synopsis. So the movie begins in a boiler room. <laughs> so we're in a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And um, we're pretty familiar with boiler rooms on this podcast. Uh, we are? We are? Well, the Shining. He, uh, <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah. Let's see. Oh, in, in, in the book. Yeah, boiler room. So, yeah, in the book, John, the main character, dies in the boiler room. Oh, okay. Whereas in the movie, he dies frozen in the, in the maze. Yes. And then in Doctor Sleep, uh, the main character, Danny, blows up. The house from the boiler room. That is true. true. Yes. So, uh, so Apparently, that boiler rooms are fair enough. Creepy, creepy as hell. Yeah, and so uh, we're introduced to who we think is probably going to be the final girl, the main character of this movie, Tina. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, she wakes up from this dream. Can you pause for a second? Yeah. So you're using some terminology that I don't. Let's talk about that I'm girl. not necessarily familiar with. All right. So you're I not think I know what term. it means, but what's what the final it? girl? Are you familiar, Marissa, with the term "final girl"? No. Okay. So it's a horror trope and a horror term. It means, um, so it's usually, it's prominent in the slasher genre. Where there's only one girl left? Where there's only one girl left at the end of the movie. And she's usually the main character. She's usually introduced at the beginning of the movie as the main character. But we can see in this film, it's, it not, wasn't. it's not Tina. Tina ends up dying. I was actually, I was actually kind of Which of course is a common thing that he ends up doing, right? I know from, doesn't In Scream, isn't that something that happens? No, because in, in Scream, um, Nev Campbell's character is pr- introduced pretty early and she's... Oh, you know, which one is the one where... I know what you did last The summer? famous person gets knocked off like right at the beginning of the movie. Uh, uh, deep, no, Deep Impact? No, what, what's the shark one? <laughs> With, no, 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 it's... <laughs> is it I Know What You Did Last Summer? No. No, no, no. She there's ends up one the where, There's one where there's a really surviving. famous Jennifer, the, Jennifer Love Hewitt. She's survives. the one who she's survives. I have seen that one. I saw the edited version growing mm. up though, and I loved that. No, there's one. That's a good one. There's that one, one where really good. Drew Barrymore or Sarah yes, Michelle okay, Gellar no, or okay, someone gets knocked correct. off right at the beginning. You're right. That is Scream. Okay. Okay. So I that's forgot. A com- I totally forgot. And you talked about how Wes Craven likes to mess around with the tropes or whatever. So wow, I am glad. I totally forgot about that scene with Drew Barrymore. She's in Scream. She's at the For very like a minute, beginning right? of Scream, and she's the first victim of the Ghostface Killer in Scream. Okay, so just like in this movie, because I thought I thought Tina was, you know, the special girl, you know, the final girl, 
the main character as well. I feel embarrassed. And she gets I, I killed. forgot about that as a well, horror fan. That's okay. We all have our moments. <laughs> and so Tina finds some slashes on her nightgown. Mm-hmm. So that uh, dream reality passed into our reality. Um, her friends, Nancy and Glenn, Johnny Depp, console her and decide to stay with Tina while her mother's out of town. And this is where we get the final girl switcheroo. We're introduced to Nancy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's interesting that the final girl is the one who sleeps in her bed. <laughs> Very true. Because yeah. she's, you know, screwing with her boyfriend upstairs right. in well, her it's mother's a, yeah. bed. <laughs> the first person to have sex in the movie is always the one that gets killed first. That right? is one of the horror tropes that was introduced <gasps> In these movies. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and he, he kind of sat... Uh, I, I told you that one of Wes Craven's themes is satire, mm-hmm. and the Scream movies are all about taking a satirical look at the horror. Well, genre. I find it funny that he's he introduces or helps establish the tropes, and then he goes back and <laughs> makes satire on yeah. his, own th- his own things that he has done. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Pioneer and... Uh, and uh, rebel, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> a gentleman and a scholar. So uh, Tina's boyfriend Rod also shows up to the house and stays with Tina as she falls asleep. And then we see Tina's death scene. Well, what do you guys think of her death scene? That was the most trippy part of the movie for me. I mean, like that was pretty good. This how they had her I was not floating impressed. in midair, basically, and no. up on the ceiling and stuff. Yeah, I thought Johnny Depp's like, death that's was good. much cooler. No, that's good shit for an '80s movie. Like, I don't know how they did that. Yeah, I, I saw no wiring. She was dragged across the walls and the ceiling. And that was. I mean, I thought, I thought it was pretty cheesy where they like opened up her chest and you don't see any <laughs> boobs, and all of a sudden you see like like three little slashes okay. well, that Maris, don't even look very deep, Maris and then all of a sudden there's like blood all over the room. Apparently. Right. So I there, probably critique this way too hard. There could have been more boobs in this film, I think. There's no boobs, you guys. <laughs> and so Tina dies, obviously, and, and Rod <laughs> runs away. He escapes the room. Which looks guilty as hell. Yeah, he looks pretty guilty, and, and the police think the same, so of they course, arrest him. Of course, no one's going to believe him when he tells them that she was murdered by an invisible man. <laughs> So Rod gets arrested the next morning by Nancy's dad, the chief of police. Mm-hmm. Who's an asshole. Who is a major asshole in this film. Huge asshole. Yeah. I mean, she all just of has the, really shitty parents, There always has to be one just major asshole. All of the adults are just, you know, idiots. Yeah. They're like, don't worry. We killed this guy years ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is very much a film about kids cleaning up their parents' mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then we see Nancy falling asleep in class. She gets chased by Freddy again in the boiler room. Come to Freddy. And then to wake up, she actually burns her arm intentionally. On one of the pipes. Which is brilliant. Yeah, it's a good smart job. Move, right? Like, so brilliant. Have you guys ever, uh, I mean, that's kind of a trope, right? To kind of pinch yourself to wake up from a dream. But have you guys ever actually done that? In a dream? Yeah. No, I, I usually just wake up because I fell off a cliff and I'm I mean, scared to death and I wake up. <laughs> Mormonism has taught me that if you see a, a spirit, there's a way to test to see if it's an evil spirit. <laughs> Push your arm to the square. Uh, no. Well, that's okay. what my parents said. No, it's. In you, the you, name of Jesus Christ. I command no. all bad spirits to leave, and if yeah. they're still there, then no, they have to be like a spirit but, of God. That's I, what I was taught. What I what I was taught was you 
you offer your hand for them to shake. I was told it had to be a priesthood holder. And you if they your, have a body, then they're from God? No, yeah. and No, if you offer your hand to shake and you know it's an evil spirit because they won't shake your hand. Oh, no. I think I've actually heard that one. <laughs> Is that but, a real thing? Yes, I actually heard that one, but... I don't know. I think it's actually canonized in the Doctrine and Covenants. Oh, okay. Go look it up. So Joseph Smith touched Moroni? I don't know, you guys. God. I'm God. sorry. Stop. I'm sorry. His I mean, bosoms I mean, were showing. Moroni okay? had that <laughs> open robe. and I remember. And, I remember. I remember. And he came to him several times one night. I remember in like Moroni Sunday was school, a silver fox angel, wasn't he? I remember in like Sunday school, like young men's. And then we got to that part and we we're like reading it. And it talks about how his, you know, his bare his bosoms were showing, and we, we just all started giggling. Why, how like did crazy. I miss this? However, okay, I did not ever read or understand that part. I don't think we ever like young women's. We didn't learn about anything. We just learned how to sew and serve people, even if it made us so feel like shit. You did not learn about bare bosoms in young women's. No, I did not learn about bare bosoms <laughs> in young women's. However, I remember several like I've had so many experiences where there's single ladies who I've known mm-hmm. who who always make the joke. It's okay if I don't get married because then I can just get sealed to Moroni in the next life. <laughs> I kid you not. What the fuck? <laughs> it has to be just a woman thing. I've literally like that's so that's heard so often. They're like, oh, I want to be Moroni's. I mean, Moroni was a total dilf, guys. I, I mean, he was, except that he's <laughs> he was made up. <laughs> and please bless mother and father, and please keep our bellies full of yum yums and luscious goodies. Oh my gosh! I am Moroni. I am a Native American. Alright, so afterwards Nancy and Rod talk at the police station. They talk about their nightmares and how similar they are. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get Nancy's bathtub scene where the glove rises up. Right between her legs? Between her legs. Like he's gonna like... Finger her maybe? With his claws? <laughs> That's what I thought. That is honestly what I thought. Because as a woman... I don't like baths, well, but as a no kid... Well, there's no more vulnerable position than... As a woman, There like really that. isn't. Like, her knees are open. She's obviously laying back with her knees open, and the hand, like, slowly comes up, like, wiggling the fingers right between her legs. And I thought, oh my god, he's gonna slice open her batch. That, that's what I thought. Yeah. That was probably the most suspenseful part of the movie. And it's something she didn't even notice. No, she doesn't. And her mom's like, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. That would be so bad. And she's like... Oh my gosh, Mom, leave me alone. Nancy? What, Mother? Don't fall asleep in there. You could drown, you know. Oh, for Pete's sakes. It happens all the time. I've heated up some warm milk for you, honey. Warm milk? Gross. And then she gets, like, dragged down into, like, this underwater cave dream. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of... A lot of people's fears too is falling asleep in the bathtub or falling asleep in a jacuzzi. I think that happens a lot. Have it, someone claw your genitals. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid of that. <laughs> or an See? animal. I mean, that does not sound pleasant you to me. You can't really judge it from a woman's perspective that that would be scary <laughs> seeing that in the bath because you guys are rather connected to your genitals and very protective of them. We try to be. Yeah. yeah. No, that part, that was probably honestly the most terrifying part. I was like, oh gosh, please, please don't do that. Anything but that. And so, uh, she, she does fall asleep, but then she uh, she was able to wake up. She's trying to stay awake with caffeine. There's lots and lots of caffeine. And the hair changes. Yeah. Her hair starts turning gray. That's weird. Then uh, Glenn 
comes over, watches her while she sleeps. Um, she does fall asleep. She sees Freddy going after Rod in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, she is able to wake up, though. She's, she kind of distracts Freddy and makes him come after her. But then she wakes up, and Freddy ends up killing Rod. Yes. And so Freddy kind of ties a bed sheet around his neck and makes it look like a suicide, basically. Although, is there really any way he could have physically done that? He couldn't have reached up. Anyway. I don't know. That's neither here nor there. It's like, is there logic to... Poor Rob. The innocent guy always dies. I mean, he was kind of Except he's an asshole at the beginning. He's a major asshole. Did he he deserve to die, though? I don't know. He basically only wants to, like, get some from Tina. But, I mean... Which he does. I mean, he does. He's pretty thirsty, yeah, for Tina. I mean, but he kind of gets, like, terrorized afterwards. So, I mean, was it really worth it? (sighs) Wow. So Nancy's mom here is pretty worried and overbearing, protective of her daughters. So she takes her to a, a sleep disorder clinic, where Nancy is able to, you know, fall asleep there. But she goes into the the dream world, Freddy's dream world. After she hates Ren. And mm-hmm. she's able to grab Freddy's fedora here, and this is where, from this point on, she knows who Freddy is. But before yes. this, she didn't know the actual identity of Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. So she sees the name on the fedora, it says Freddy Krueger, and then she's able to do some research about this. Well, doesn't he say in the dream, too, he's like, Freddy's coming, yeah. or something like that? So yeah. she actually identifies a name with this, like, monster-ish, you know. And I can't remember if it's this movie that his catchphrase is introduced, but <laughs> um, or the later movies, but he has this thing about saying bitch to everybody. I don't think it was <laughs> I don't this think movie. So. Freddy's coming, bitch. Oh my gosh. gosh. That sort of thing. I mean, it's a very enjoyable word to say, so I don't blame him. Um, So Nancy's mom tells her the true story about Fred Krueger. Although she's still kind of in denial. The mom? Yeah. I mean, she's... They have the hat and everything, and she's like, oh, it's okay, we already killed him. I mean, people in denial like to drink a lot. This is true. They they drink to hide their feelings. Yep. Um, Nancy, at this point, tries to warn Glenn... But she's unable to, and then we get the cool scene that you mentioned, Marissa. Because of his parents. His parents were like took the phone off the hook. Yeah. Like assholes. They didn't want his Nancy dad. contacting him. Yeah. His, his dad didn't like Nancy. Yeah. And then their son turned into a blood blob. Uh, pool of blood. It, no, it was like a blood fountain. It's like it spraying <laughs> out of the bed and rippling across the ceiling. It was comical. It was just a yeah. lot of blood. It I was, was like, there's not even that much blood in a person's body. <laughs> Like, that's way I too think much. Maybe you'd be surprised. The fountain just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Like, eventually you run out of blood. Maybe. It was like if a waterbed <laughs> ruptured, but there was blood instead of water in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, then Rip Johnny Depp. Then Nancy, at this point, she's fed up, so she has her, her Kevin McAllister Home Alone moment where yes. <laughs> she, she wants to set up booby traps in order to and trap Freddy and, and bring him into the real world. Mm-hmm. And it works. She's able to pull him out, and she lights him on fire. Or does it work, Ryan? <laughs> well, kind of at first. <laughs> He's able to... Uh, she does pull him out and then traps him in the basement, but then as she's talking to the, the police or the, the people that come over, um, he escapes from the basement and grabs her mom. Pulling she's, like, screaming for her dad. And her right. dad, like, she called, she'd called, I think this is an important part, because yeah. her dad is a major asshole. Yeah. She called her dad in advance and said, <laughs> you need to come in 20 minutes from now. And she sets a timer on her watch to, like, make sure she pulls him out at the right time. And he doesn't come because he's an asshole. 
Right. And he doesn't believe his daughter. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of a commentary about uh, how unreliable men are. <laughs> <laughs> and parents in general. <laughs> Sorry. No. Um, so then he takes the mom. Yeah, so he takes the mom, kind of brings her into the bed. Uh, Nancy, at this point, realizes that only fear gives Freddy power, right? Mm. So she kind of, um, she's confronted by Freddy face-to-face, but she just kind of calmly turns away from him, and he starts disappearing, like melting like the Wicked Witch. You think he was going to get away from me? I know you too well now, Freddy. It's too late, Kruger. I know the secret now. This is just a dream. You're not alive. This whole thing is just a dream. I want my mother and friend again. What? I take back every bit of energy I gave you. You're nothing. labyrinth moment yeah because at the like at the end of the labyrinth she says like you have no power over me Mm -hmm. because you know that was like my movie growing up but like she literally says like i i take back all the power that i gave you and i think that that's a pretty powerful moment because she's basically like in the most mature way that somebody who hasn't obviously slept in seven days which she would have died um very true it's not realistic. It's not realistic at all. I mean, I, I, I kind of wish that I had a coffee maker right next to my bed, though, like her. I'm surprised her mom didn't realize that when she was, yeah. like, checking in and hovering over her. Like, oh, my God, my daughter has a coffee maker next to her bed. <laughs> hmm, that's a little suspicious. <laughs> but, yeah, Marissa, this is a very empowering moment for her. She kicks his ass. Yeah. Does she? Well. Well, let's see. So, the next scene, we it's kind of... Foggy, dreamlike, but it's kind of like the 50s throwback kind of era. She's like, give me back my friends, bitch. Yeah. And so then, yeah. Yeah, he he disappears, but then like the final scene of the movie, um, all her friends are back. Right, so they they didn't die. They're they're all back. Her mom's back. Uh, she gets into a car, a convertible, with all her friends, and they they drive off. But then the doors lock, and they drive off erratically. And she's <laughs> screaming for help for, for her mom. Mom, help! And and the top of the convertible is stripes, the right. Freddy stripes. You know. <laughs> yes. I didn't catch you that. Didn't catch that. I didn't it notice, is. but yeah, there's some. That was good. So maybe he's, I don't know, possessed the car or something. Well, but then he shows up. Doesn't he reach through the door and to the mom? In this very comical scene. Yeah, he does. Uh, <laughs> he reaches through that. this, like, five by five inch window like the on the door. the size of that bowl right there. And pulls her through. <laughs> if you watch it in slow motion, you can tell, obviously, it's a, like a, a He, like, grabs her and then yeah. they, like, freeze it. And yeah. then they, like, replace her with, like, a, mannequin. <laughs> like a doll. Yeah. And her little legs, like, flop through this little window. Right. Marissa, you're our guest. Let's start with you. So go ahead and, and score this movie. Give your overall uh, how impressions. Many, how out, many gold medals? Out of five. Five. 
Um, oh, I'm gonna get hate on this. Nah. I'm gonna give it like a like a one. Like I probably wouldn't rewatch the movie. I mean, obviously it was made in the '80s. It was it was like comical. I I wasn't really like again. Scariest part was like little razors near her genitals in the bathtub. Okay. Yeah. Um, or the scrap the scratching is kind of. I didn't find that scary at all. I didn't find actually. that scary. I found it irritating. Some yeah. of, some of the lack of suspense in my in my personal opinion. Hmm. Um, and I was pretty disappointed at the ending. I kind of wanted the happy ending. Like I felt like it would have been like a win. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a happy ending girl. But like I, I, I think I the ending it, made a lot of sense. I didn't, didn't think so either because she like took her power back from Freddie, mm -hmm. and then in the end he was like, Ah, just kidding. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> He was like, kind of like, it was like a dream anyway. Yeah, so They establish all these rules and then they break. They just break all the rules. But I think that was probably, maybe maybe if the ending was different, I would have given it a higher score. Okay, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be generous and give it like a two. Okay, two gold medals. That's probably where I'm at. I probably wouldn't watch it again. I would watch the remake though against my husband's That's better judgment. That's a valid score, two out of five. Um, I have one question though. Would you have given this a different score or had a different opinion being... A religious believer in the supernatural. That's really hard for me to answer. Would it have been scarier? I think, <laughs> I think a newer, more visually compelling remake would have scared me more. But again, this is where my husband considers divorce because that goes against his like hardcore beliefs about remakes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, my wife is wrong. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, well, <laughs> Josh, you're up. Yes, I'm up. Okay, so. After thoroughly defending the movie and not have, you know, about remakes. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it... a brave person. I know. I'm going to give it two golden idols as well. <gasps> Only, not because I was, you know, thoroughly entertained by the movie. And, you know, but, you know, your thing was, Marissa, your thing was all about being scared. I don't think you have to be scared to enjoy a movie or to be entertained by the movie. I know it's a horror movie, but I don't feel like, I feel like I could have enjoyed it even not being scared. I just, it fell flat for me. I'm giving it two for the historical significance of the movie and for the, um, the, just the merit that it has as, you know, setting up the genre and the influence that it had over other movies. Yeah. Um, and that's basically the only reason I'm giving it a two. All right. If so I was going just entertainment value personally for me, it'd probably be a one, but I'll give it a two. I agree with that. Fair enough, guys. I mean, two twos. Um, Ryan's going to beat our score. No, you know what? I, I really have enjoyed this film in the past. And I even enjoyed it a, a, quite a bit on this viewing. I saw it yesterday. Um, I am going to give this a higher score. You know what, guys? This movie's a basic bitch. It's a basic bitch. Freddy's coming, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it, it has all the cliches, all the horror tropes. It falls flat in the, you know, intellectually... Um, story-wise, um, but I I don't know why, but I do find it entertaining. I, uh, I I love the dream sequences. I love the play between reality versus mm -hmm. the dream world. And so I am going to give this film, based on its merits and its pioneering of uh, some horror tropes in the genre, in the genre, I am going to give this a three point five out of five. Very nice. Cool. All right, now that we've scored Freddy, Nightmare on Elm Street, 
Let's get into what we're going to be talking about next week for Spooptober. Um, so, I don't know if we talked about this, but I... Have we talked about this? I think we have talked about this. Okay. Well, we want to... We kind of we have a little bit of a plan. Okay. Right? What's, what's the plan, Josh? Well, from what I remember uh, from our conversation, I think the plan is to watch Halloween. Mm-hmm. The original? The original. The John original Carpenter's Halloween. Halloween. Okay. And then... Uh, we're going to watch the newest installment in the franchise. Yes. Uh, what is it out already? It is coming out in um, the next week or two. And so we'll be uh, recording uh, the Halloween podcast and possibly um, our reactions to the new films simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And we'll be releasing that podcast the last week of October. Fantastic. The last week you mean like for Halloween, Ryan? For Halloween! And Halloween, duh, I believe, falls on a Sunday this year. I believe so. So. And so it should release the day of Halloween. Uh, so tune in. Uh, we'd love for you to uh, rate and review this podcast and recommend it to friends and family. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, not really. Just... Enjoy the live, just enjoy the universe of rated R movies, everyone. Just enjoy it. Especially during this festive time. Yeah. When you can really enjoy some blood and guts and violence. And possible and, you nudity. Know, needless violence. Throw in some nudity in there, you know. That is very wholesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, you're <laughs> welcome. Very welcome. Um, should we end with a... Uh, I thought you were going to say, shall we end with a prayer? <laughs> well, I was going to say benediction, <laughs> but that's opening prayer. What's the closing prayer called? Co- convection? <laughs> Conviction? Conviction. What's the closing prayer called? There's a benediction, and then there's a... Um, a closing prayer. A closing. Is it just called closing prayer? Well, why doesn't the closing prayer get a fancy name? Yeah. Right? And what the hell? Yeah, we'd like to thank our guest, Marissa. Thanks again for joining us on this podcast. I was honored, you guys. Hopefully I wasn't too outspoken. You'll have me back sometime. We would love to I'm have you. anytime. Yes. This is your house. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week and love you. Signing off. Bye. If I remember it right And we had just gotten back off tour last night So the gang and I thought that it would be groovy If we summon up the posse and dumb rush the movies I got Angie, Jeff got Tina Ready Rock got some girl I've never seen